Okay, I'll set I'll set the camera to high speed and I'll see what I can get, right? And fingers crossed. And what happened is I got a shot of the of the eruption of this beautiful pyroclastic cloud from under the cover of from under forest cover in a moving vehicle from the side of a van. You know how hard it is to get a photo like that? It's a one in a million shot. Hello there. My name is Kit Rackley, my pronouns are they them, and this is Coffee and Geography. The aim of the show is to get to know, explore and celebrate the diverse and intersectional range of people on this rock we call home and their love and passions of it. We'll find out why guests identify as geographers and if they don't exactly, we'll have fun exploring all the myriad of ways that connects their life to geography. So pour your favourite brew, get cosy and listen in. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPot. Off we go. Hi everybody, and welcome back to Coffee and Geography. And I've been looking forward to this chat for a long, long time. Actually, uh, somebody I connected with over Twitter, uh, thanks to quite a few things we have in common, and now we actually get to have a conversation that is not limited to just two hundred eighty characters at a time. <laughs> Justin Boot. Oh my God, it's so good to see you. Hello. Hi. How are you, Kit? Are you doing okay over there? I am now that the kids are in bed. Yeah, uh-huh. it's Not it's bad. um. What's the time here? So it's uh eight minutes past nine at night here in the United Kingdom, and you are eight hours behind me because you're in California. That's right. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually going to say with your introduction, I'm actually going to say all the slashes because it's just funny, right? Uh-oh. So it says <laughs> this is great. Justin is a writer slash gamer slash reviewer slash banker slash hiker slash photographer slash world traveler. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Still trying to find their place in the world. Currently studying environmental science and geography, which is perfect for Justin, as they have a curiosity about the world. Person right at my heart. <laughs> if there was more room, there's a character limit on those profiles. There's a lot more I could write on there, but that's okay. That, that basically sums it up. How <laughs> many slashes could you say there? No, it's brilliant. And it's, oh yeah, so much to talk about. I mean, we're going to try and yeah keep it everybody within like 30, 40 minutes. But I think <laughs> if me and Justin get going, I think you're all in trouble. Um, but we'll see. Right. Okay. Let's get straight to it. Got my drink in front of you. It's just decaf instant coffee because it's late mm-hmm. at night. What have you got? Um, I am a traitor because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I have uh, just plain old crystal geyser water right okay, here. Yep. Uh, I, I don't drink coffee. I don't even drink tea because I had a medical emergency a few years back and so I had to drop tea. However, uh, you, you can't. You, uh, the folks at home can't see this, but I actually have a decorative coffee sack here on my wall. I'll oh. show it to you later, Kate. It's from uh, Greenwell Farms in Hawaii, uh, oh. over in Kona. They supply um, the beans for Starbucks, actually. Oh. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they're still open. They used to, I, I got this like back in 2014, so I don't know if they're still open or not. But uh, yeah, you can get decorative. So, well, you can use the sacks wherever you want. I have uh, like a poster on my wall, so. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll we'll actually we'll put that on the coffee and geography map. Why not? Okay. It's been men- it's been mentioned on the podcast because yep. at the end of the day, the map's all for for um, we're doing it for teachers and students who do a little bit of inquiry about you know one of the ways we're all interconnected and whether we're sustainable or not with our brews. So yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I'm gonna have to um, yeah you, you will have to show me that bit later. I'm quite intrigued oh, yeah. now. Yeah, I'll show it to you right there. Yep, oh, there you nice. So um, 
Greenwell Farms. Right, everybody, I can tell you it. I'll, I'll, let me describe it to you. It's beautiful. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a picture for you later. How about that? Oh, yeah, awesome. And we can stick that on Twitter. Right. So, as we've... Um, you're, you're located in a place which is deeply, deeply close to my heart. I, I honestly do think that I've left a piece of my soul there, and that is the San Francisco Bay Area. I mean, I, this is not, I mean, I'm, I'm interviewing you here, Justin. I, I can talk about San Francisco for 30, 40 minutes myself, but you're in the Bay Area. Um, right. So, so talk to me a bit about um, how San Francisco, the Bay Area kind of, um, how is it a part of your soul? How is it a part of your identity? And how has maybe other places you've lived or experienced also formed your, your identity? Well, okay. So for the Bay Area, right, like it's a really, um, it's cultural melting pot. You know, because people from all over the world come to the Bay Area. You know, like we're not the number one, the number one, like the number one economy in California in, in the United States for nothing. You know, and there's a lot of business here. There's a lot of varying cultures here. You can find anything you want. Well, not anything you want, but a lot of different, a lot of variety. But for me, I grew up in a small town at the base of a mountain. Um, and when I was a kid, my mom and I used to hike that uh, from uh, bottom to top and back down. Uh, twice a month and that's where I developed my love of nature as if you like anyone's hung out with me like for like an hour knows that I like to spend my time on the trails I, I mean I can I, I wandered cities like I've wandered about two-thirds of San Francisco but I'm happier when I am in nature I'm away from people I'm away from the noise and there's nothing in front of me but a trail and you know the <laughs> You know, like the like the sun's on my back, then there's a nice breeze, and that's all I need. And um, and you know, you spend a day out there, and you can tell a lot about you can learn a lot about yourself and other people if you go on a hike. You can learn what their priorities are, what kind of not, what their priorities, what their endurance is, what they're you know what they're worried about, uh, you know, and how well they can prepare, you know, how well they know themselves in terms of their limitations, things like that. Um, and that really helped me develop. Not only that, but also my love of nature, because it would have been really easy for me to just hang out in suburbia, you know, or like, you know, or something like that. I'd never go outside because I because I play video games. I love video games, but mm. I'm happier when I'm outside. And I I further developed that when I was in the Boy Scouts. I was in the Boy Scouts briefly, like way back in the early '90s, um, and that helped me develop a more. You know, I've done backpacking. I've camped out in stars without a tent. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I, you know I, I can ramble on about this, but my best outing actually was with the Boy Scouts. We got to overnight on Alcatraz uh, back in like 93 or 94, I think it was. Wow. And yeah, that's, man, you ever see The Rock? You know, the movie The Rock with oh, Sean yeah. Connery? Okay, there's a scene where they're stuck in the cell, where they get captured and they're put in the cells. We slept in those cells. That's in cell block D. Sweet. I saw, I know exactly where I was in that. And I'll tell you what, Alcatraz is a lot creepier at night when there aren't any people around. <laughs> Take the audio tour, man. It's great. I have done, yeah. I strongly recommend it. Anyone who's going to visit that area, do the audio yeah. tour of Alcatraz. It's Absolutely. Amazing. And, I, and also with the way the fog works out there. Yeah. Like, like if, if you've ever been to San Francisco during certain parts, there, you know there's fog, right? <laughs> city. Try being on, stuck on a little island in the middle of the bay. <laughs> When there's fog rolling, it's like being in another dimension. You can't even see anything. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that was fun. Also, in terms of California in general, we have a really varied terrain. Um, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different habitats, a lot of different areas. 
like you know there's always that joke where you go surfing and snowboarding in the same day which is true if you yeah. if you piece that out correctly um i've spent so much time out in the woods i've done so much hiking i've been to about i'd say maybe about three quarters of the national parks out here and yeah if i could i would just live out there year round but i can't so crikey i mean i've done a fair few national parks but what uh, what would be your f- Oh, I don't know if I should restrict this to California or just give you free reign. Uh, no, let's give you free reign. What has been the national park? Okay, let's rephrase this, Kit. What has been the national park where you've really, really felt total peace as you possibly can with yourself? I would say, okay, so just for California, Yosemite, right? See, everyone, okay, everyone talks about Yosemite, right? And they talk about it for a reason. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's everything you'd want in a national park. It has the trails, it has the variety of terrain, it has the waterfalls, it has all this stuff, and it's serene. I mean, I went there, I've been there a few times. Um, I actually just went there for Memorial Day a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, God, I could just grab a tent and just stay here. Back out, I, in fact, uh, I actually met a lady that uh, works at the daycare out there, and she, she just started working there like a month ago, huh. and she's like, dude, you can work in the Ansel Adams store. You know, they're looking for people. I'm like, you know, that's pretty tempting. That's tempting. <laughs> that's pretty tempting. Because my work gets compared to Ansel Adams every once in a while. But that's for California, for the United States, like for other places in the United States, uh, Zion in Utah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Have you been Have you been to Utah? I've been to Utah, but I've not been to Zion, no. I've been, I've been to Salt Lake City and I've been to the area, but not Zion. You should go to Zion, man. You like outdoors and you like... Uh, not just geography, but also geology. Yeah. Utah is a geologist's playground, man. Every, there are so many things going on with that terrain out there. Uh, just in terms of history, it, it would take way too long to get into that. Um, and internationally, I love Iguazu Falls National Park, uh, both the Argentine and the Brazilian side. Now, Iguazu Falls is the largest waterfall system on Earth, for those who don't know. Yep. And look at it. Google that, okay? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so, one that geography teachers listening will be like, yep, because yeah. uh, that's actually quite a popular place to, to teach about is, uh, you know, that area of Brazil and from out in the Guasu Falls. And mm-hmm. crikey, when I used to teach uh, to the year eights to the seventh graders, um, mm-hmm. when we did a unit about Brazil, yeah, we definitely did look at those falls. Um, and I always thought to myself, wow, just, just what, what I wouldn't give, what I wouldn't give to, be, to go there. <laughs> yeah, incredible. And yeah, when you're talking about the Met, so one of the places... I have a, another affinity to as well is Bozeman, Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always joke that the, the house which my in-laws have out in Bozeman, Montana is going to be the exact spot that Zephyr Cochran launches the Phoenix. Oh my God. <laughs> but anyway. I knew you were going to bring that up. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> but anyway, before, before we go down that rabbit hole, um, so I'm going to be out there in 2063, right? You can come too. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> uh, but it's when we go hiking out, out there as well, I get that exact same sense like that mm-hmm. you just say, like, I love Bozeman as a place. I love, you know, San Francisco. I love over here. I love Norwich. I do love the cities. But I tell you what, just to get up in those mountains, especially in the Bridger Range, which is right by the house, it's just wonderful. And then you look over the ridge, you look over the western side of the ridge towards Bozeman, Montana, or you look over the eastern side of the ridge um, back towards towards Billings and the uh, crazy mountain and all that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, perfect. So in terms of um, national parks, you mentioned Yosemite and... Um, the connection that people may be very, very familiar with here in the United Kingdom is, of course, John Muir. Mm-hmm. 
over over here in the United Kingdom, we have something called the the John Muir Award, which kids can do, which they have to discover wild places, explore them, write about them, and then they can get. Oh, that's so cool! Oh my god, I wish we had that here. Yeah, I used to do that, and uh, I hope they're listening. But I really, really do miss the folks up in the Yorkshire Dales National Park because um, I used to take a field trip of kids up there every year to do their John Muir Award. So you folks up at Malam Tarn, if you're listening, I love you and I miss you so much, and I hope I can get back up there one day. Yeah. I totally get where you're coming from. And I think a lot of people who are geographers listen to this, um, Justin will definitely feel an affinity with what you've said there in regards to uh, feeling at one with the landscape. And what you said about if you want to get to know someone, go on a hike with them. And I w- can I add one thing to your list? Go for it. Go for it. Absolutely. Which I, I thought that was great what you were saying about, you know, the way they prepare. If you like, what they choose to stop and look at. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, uh, or fix their gaze upon. Which could be anything from a, a vista, a, par- a panorama in front of them, or it could be, you know, that wildflower and, and that butterfly or that caterpillar or, you know, larvae or whatever sitting on that wildflower, you know, what or the rocks. So you can tell mm-hmm. a lot of, lot about a person by what they choose to look at while they're on the hike, what they choose mm-hmm. to pause for. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it, when we're over, we're going we're gonna to go hiking in Zion together. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you, so you travel a lot. And I'll tell you one thing as well. Justin and people really got to take a look at this is that you've got um, an Instagram you can give your you can give your handle later on in the show so you have an Instagram and you have a 500px uh, website as well and you just take some incredible photos and I've seen Thank the ones you. That, just looking at this oh Aguasu Falls um, everybody if you're a geography teacher in this next time you teach Aguasu Falls go on Justin's website and get the pictures and use those freaking amazing i haven't updated i haven't updated that often so because i'm trying to find a better website to put it on so if you just want to like look at my photos i usually just post a bunch of them on my twitter so just look on there okay yep so at the end of the uh we'll we'll keep you um hooked everybody and justin will give a shout out to their twitter feed and everything at the end um right so i'm okay I used to have one of the very, very first Kodak digital cameras, very first. In fact, I took it. We were talking a bit earlier, like I've been to South uh, Africa and places like that. I took one of the very first digital cameras to South Africa with me. It was a brick of a Kodak. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it took one of those big, fat, um, compact flashcards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember those. Um, but I, it took really fantastic pictures. But um, And I actually got very very careful and keen about how i was framing things stuff like that even though i knew i could have deleted it and tried again so mm. i didn't really have any method i was just point and shoot take again if i didn't like it but do you go through some kind of process or some or do you just point and shoot and say i think i've got it how do you do that it's really amazing um, these photos well i think i think in terms of i think this actually relates to geography by the way i'm gonna tie i'm gonna tie it all back together it. <laughs> it is there's this thing in geography called spatial awareness like, ge- like geospatial awareness right what is in relation to yourself and to other objects right why is some- not only what something is why is it there where it is why it's there right and it can also like how you perceive things like in terms of angles and in terms of perspective in terms of lighting right like the position of the sun overhead. Like, you know where the sun is? I know where the sun is right now. That kind of awareness, like some people, like for me, it comes naturally. I didn't I didn't know there was a term for that until I took a geography course. But for some people, it comes naturally. But if you can develop that through photography uh, if you focus on composition um, based on, you know, based on the shapes that you see, based on like the leading lines. Uh, like you have, I tell people, like I tell people ask me for advice 
sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, uh, about like how to become a better photographer. I say just stop for a second, just slow down and and actually think about what you want in the photo. And you know you can get better, you can get faster at it if you, you know like after a while. But it's good to start. This is good. This is good practice for anything you do. Is you stop and think about what you're doing. And you just analyze your surroundings. I I used to think that I think I used to think everyone could do that, but apparently not. That it's it's not so much of a process as it is just keeping an eye out for perspective and angles and colors. That's 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 how I can best explain it. It's just looking for that natural geometry that occurs. It's it's like Mother Nature can design all kinds of weird and crazy stuff. And you just have to like keep an eye out for it because it's all around you. It's all around you. And it's always interacting. There are always all kinds of processes going on. Like, I mean, you studied, you studied meteorology, you know all about that. Yep. You know, um, but it's not so much of a process, just being observant and adapting that in a creative way. I looked through your photos today when I was, uh, you know, trying to get ready to come on and, um, one of my favorite photos, actually, just as you were saying about like angles of sun, is the one that you took actually when the of uh, Caffili Castle, the moat around Caffili oh, Castle. Yeah. The way that that's been framed, you know, it, I mean, the sun. I mean, you look like you went there either kind of like early in the morning or you were there towards the towards the dusk because the shadows were very long, mm-hmm. um, and the wall of the castle just looks so much more imposing by the way that that's framed. Yeah, you know, when you're standing right in front of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, the way the way that those shadows are just creeping out towards the moat, and I tell you what, if I was an attacker like trying to breach um, <laughs> Kafili Car, I'm feeling like I'm attacking Helm's Deep there by just like, looking <laughs> at that that picture. That's that's one of my, and I tell you, I could choose so many good pictures, but but that one of Kefili, and the one of the um, the giant lily pads as well, just the way that you've oh, yeah. that you've kind of like got down, you know, towards the level of the lily pads, so you're kind of like looking across them rather than down at them. Um, yeah, I almost fell in when I took the. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask actually whether that was the case, but yeah, and then and you're right. It's it's kind of got me thinking actually what you're saying about spatial awareness, and I'm wondering. I I, I would always try and do well by any kids that I used to teach geography to, um, and I always I always would try and get any kid to fulfil their potential, and I could always believe that any any child any person could be a good solid geographer. Right. But you just got me thinking about whether spatial awareness maybe maybe a form of, of cognitive intelligence that if you have if you've got like a greater maybe spatial awareness you mm-hmm. you may you may be better to grasp geographical concepts and ideas yeah. a lot quicker and easier than maybe someone who doesn't have that kind of spatial intelligence i think that yeah i think that's true but i like to encourage people to like develop if they don't have it, if it doesn't come naturally then they can develop it you know because a lot of people like it's it's one of those things where even still today people just still think that they're only good at one thing and they think that's that's what they that's what they think they are for the rest of their lives right they they think like oh i'm going to be such and such when i grow up and you know that's that's all i am right you can learn more about the world <laughs> by actually like taking the time to study it and studying yourself and developing yourself and developing your skills you are not just set on any one particular path, right? You can choose whatever you want to do. You keep growing. Don't limit yourself. And so I, I'm telling you, if like any kids out there that are listening to this right now, 
Like, you can learn more about your world than you think you can. So don't sell yourself short. Mm. You're, you're, you can do more than what you think you can. So don't stop. I used to say exactly the same thing to my my school leavers. I used to say, look, some of you know you're going on to sixth form, which, I mean, because we break, you know, whereas you in the US, you would go right to 18, into your senior years and stuff like that. Like, there's a kind of like a little bit of a break. Some some schools go into their senior years. Some schools you have to move to another school to do your senior years. So we call that sixth form or, you know, or college. And then, and then they can choose to do university or work or whatever. And I used to say to kids, look, do you know what you want to do next? And some kids would say, no, I don't. And and I've bumped into some ex-students mm-hmm. who've, um, who are now in their mid-20s and they're still floating around, still not sure what they want to do. It's like, that's fine. You're, you're, yeah. you're fine. You know, just keep growing yourself and see, you know, something will come to you that sparks your interest or you think, oh, I never really thought about that. I'm going to give that a go. And mm-hmm. you. I only became a teacher by happenstance because all the postgraduate courses have gone. I was just too slow. Oh, <laughs> and I had no idea what I wanted to do, and uh, and then I just went round to one of those typical like postgraduate affairs, uh, just mm. as I was graduating. I was like, there was a stall about becoming a teacher. I was like, well, I love geography so much. I like I've worked with kids, and I liked it. Let's just do it. And I just ended up doing that for thirteen years. Really? That, oh my god! So that is amazing, amazing advice um, that all young people should listen to. Is yeah, don't limit yourself and. That really does sum up actually your your handle, your Twitter handle, very nicely, which is obviously polymathically. So yeah, that, yeah, that handle is not for show, okay? No, no, no. So no, I, I really, I, I can, I know that I can do more than what I am because it's easy to rest on your laurels. Yes. Like you know, because there, there's a lot of smart people out there that just like to show off. You know, they'll quote like some, they'll quote like Shakespeare or something like that, or you know, <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, look at you know, look at all the stuff that I read. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, yeah, but what are you doing with it yeah you know are you like are you happier are you are you have you how has that made you a better person you know how, you know how has that developed you you know like that's the problem is that a lot of people don't take risks you know in terms of developing themselves you know it's very easy to fall into a comfort zone mm. and never actually do anything else because hey you found like oh yeah you found what's easy and what's comfortable for you but you didn't push but you didn't push yourself further and I tell people all the time, I say, you are more capable of things than you, more things than you will ever realize. But it won't happen unless you actually try it. And a lot of the stuff in that profile, man, that is, it's just, it's just weird how that. <laughs> I didn't. Some of that was unintentional. It just it just happened that way. Yeah. But uh, but it's made me a better, more rounded person. Yes. It's fabulous, and I took a and I took a risk to take a year out of teaching. You know, I had I was lucky and privileged to know that I would have had my job back if I wanted it back because it was te- <laughs> yeah. it was technically a sabbatical. Yeah, it was sabbatical, and I was meant to go back to the school I was teaching at after the year, and I was going to move on. But then another opportunity came came up where which I took, and and I so I took those risks, and I'm like, oh, I'm crikey, you know, and you you know because we've talked about it before. Uh, how much my life has changed because I took that right. risk um, for the better. And my my geography teaching colleagues out there, you know, um, you may remember, oh, crikey, what year was it now? In fact, it was that year. It was my sabbatical year when I came into um, the Geographical Association Conference and I gave a teach me talk about taking a sabbatical and taking mm-hmm. risks. I, I, I don't like to push it out too much, Justin, because it's kind of like the <laughs> it's the old me, let's just say. 
that's all right. Um, but it's very worth watching if you're thinking about, you know, I'd like to take a break from teaching or even just your career in general, you know, that the risks might be worth taking. Um, and if you're in a, if like me, you're in a privileged position where you can fall back into that safety net of that inertia, if that's what you so wish to happen, then I would say is even more of a reason to take the risk. But anyway, that's my two cents. <laughs> two pence, two cents. <laughs> so what would be your, all right, I'm going to, this is so cliche of a question. Uh-oh. Your favorite photo. Oh, God, my what a stupid photo. That's like asking which of my fingers is my favorite. Right? I know. What a silly question, Kit. There's a photo I post all the time on Twitter because I freaking love it. It's one I took in Guatemala back in New Year's of 2017. And uh, for those of you that are not familiar with Guatemala, they have several, they have like, I think, over 30 active volcanoes there. It's either 30 active volcanoes or 30 volcanoes. I can't remember what, which one it is. But one of them, okay, so I was hiking one volcano, Randall. I was my last day in Guatemala. I was hiking the volcano, and we were on our way back when another one erupted. Uh, it was Volcano de Fuego. It erupted. And like, okay, we kind of have to get out of here. So <laughs> we kind of, we were already coming back into town. But we were passing this erupting volcano, and I said, okay, I have to get a shot of this. But, of course, we can't stop. You know, we're in the middle of the road, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're traveling past this forest. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get whatever I can. So I, what I do, I, I grab my camera, and I just point it through the window. We're going at, we're going pretty fast, too. I'm like, okay, I'll set, I'll set the camera to high speed, and I'll see what I can get, right? And fingers crossed. And what happened is I got a shot of the, of the eruption of this beautiful pyroclastic cloud from under the cover of, from under forest cover. And a moving vehicle from the side of a van. You know how hard it is to get a photo like that? It's only a million <laughs> shot. And I love that photo. You know, it's not the brightest or it's not the most it's not the most stylish photo I've ever taken, you know, but that one was definitely a one in a million shot and I love it. So the reason why you love it is because of the of the situation you were in. Because of the situation. Wow. Yeah, because I think I think a lot there are a lot of times where people just like whip out their phone and like take a photo like oh yeah I'm gonna take a photo of my food now right <laughs> and I'm like okay I'm like that's cool but you know do you have a story behind it well no yeah. it's just it's just it's just your lunch I'm like yeah how about this I have a story behind this okay Boom. so <laughs> yeah yeah um just gonna I mean I'll I'll show this to just on the on the on the uh, yeah, camera. That? So this is um, when what I took, yeah, this is when I took a bunch of uh, high school students to Yellowstone National Park and the Bozeman oh area, God. and we actually used the house, you know, I mentioned before, to, as a filter mm-hmm. base. And right. the reason why I love this book is because that's what us hiking up um, one of the mountains. Right. It's because almost every picture in it tells a story, and I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I often look back at this picture book, sorry, and um, with so much affection because of. You know, it was such a, you know, we we fundraised so much money to maybe to be able to afford this. And, mm-hmm. you know, even this silly picture of, of uh, Ellen, Eleanor and Becky, bless them there. I mean, all these kids are in their 20s okay. now. Just at Minnesota, uh, <laughs> you know, cool. at the airport, like they mm-hmm. see a giant moose and look at the look on their faces. <laughs> you know, every oh, yeah, single picture is just beautiful. And I haven't even shown you like the, the landscape ones. And the... you're right, that, that book is so precious to me, not just because of the photos, it's, but for everything I see in there, every caption that I read, it just brings back those memories of taking those kids to a landscape they'd never experienced before, ever, mm-hmm. in their entire lives. You know, because they're born and born and bred in in Norfolk. You know, which is you know it's, it's quite quite flat, and and the landscape is the landscape's beautiful, but it's it's quite monotonous in places. 
But then you go to, you go to, this is amazing, right, everybody? We arrived at the house in the middle of the night, pitch black dark. So we flew into Bozeman uh, Airport and then we got back. They were all shattered, all jet lagged, went straight to bed. So, of course, when they wake up the next day, they're seeing everything for the very first time. And mm-hmm. um, when I saw, I think it was, was it Tom and, Tom and Nathan, I think, were at the one of the breakfast tables. And they were just like, <laughs> like that. You know, their mouths open, staring mm-hmm. out the windows. Like, and the first question I said to them was not like, good morning, how do you sleep? So I was like, what do you think? <laughs> and like, when, yep. when, when we looked out the window the first time, we were like, oh my God. And they'd seen the bridge of range mountains and stuff like that. It's like we did because they couldn't see any of that when we were driving from the airport to the house. Yeah, oh, so yeah, yeah, there you go. You see all those memories coming back now. Oh, oh. That, was, that was amazing. Right. Time. Time. So Uh-oh. thinking about memories and time. Um, you, you put something um, really lovely on, on, the, uh, on the bio. You said that time's not linear, but we just perceive as such due to the limitations of human perception. And a lovely little line there. Um, I want to geek out over time a bit, especially Uh-oh. since. Okay, go for it. Okay, let's 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 exchange little tidbits, which is quite mm-hmm. fun about time. So one of the things I love I love to talk is about you know light and the speed of light and uh, the fact that obviously don't look directly at the sun, everybody. I'm not I'm not asking you to do that. There were cert- certain <laughs> individuals of well known profiles can look at the yeah, sun all they like. When you when you receive that sun's light, you're looking in the past, eight minutes into the past, because it takes like eight minutes to travel from the sun to the earth. And then, of course, the same with all the stars. All the stars are coming from the past. And things like that. Or so we think, of course, because um, cause we, we don't know if the speed of light is the same in, in all directions, I think. Yeah. But when you think of time then, when you say it's not linear, what do you, what do you mean by that in terms of human perception? Okay, so this is going to sound a lot like Star Trek, right? <laughs> or maybe the Twilight Zone, or God knows what else. I I personally believe, I can't prove this, but I think that either all events are happening simultaneously, or that some of them are connected somehow in ways that we cannot perceive based on our perceptions. Because we like to think of time in terms of, in, in linear terms, right? Time's you know, all right. Yeah. You know, cause and effect, right? That's not necessarily how it works. We just think it does. It's just like the electromagnetic, spe- the electromagnetic spectrum, right? We only see a visible band. We only see like a visible band of that, right? But if you've taken a geography course, <laughs> you know that the like there's a whole light spectrum that you don't see. You got your infrared. You got you know you get all of that. So I think that time operates not necessarily on a similar way, but it has its own. It has its own mechanics that we. Mm do not understand yet because the limitations of our perceptions and also the limitations and therefore the limitations of science. Um, I, this is going to make me sound like a crackpot, <laughs> but I have had dreams that come true and I'm not talking about like deja vu and I'm not talking metaphorically like in a storybook either. I'm talking about getting like brief flashes of premonitions of things that happen later on. Mm. And I have no way of proving that. But it has happened, and I, I keep a record of that now. I don't, it doesn't happen that often anymore. But I used to get that like at least a few times, like like at least once every few months, and it made me start questioning the exact nature of our reality. 
how much of it is actually real and in terms of time how are the past present and future connected and which is way over my head because i am not a physicist my background's in chemistry okay yeah. and so i don't uh, if you have a physicist on you should you should ask them about that but i i don't i don't know how else to explain it it's it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like the it's kind of like the end of, of star trek the next generation we're gonna tie in we're gonna tie in star trek with this yes. episode, aren't we? Um, because of all good things. Because you know what happened to Picard at the end of that, right? He was mm-hmm. living in different. He was living in different three different eras, different times. And ever since I've started having those dreams, it's made me wonder, like, how much of that could actually be feasible. And but again, it, it, I know it makes me sound nuts, but it's it's just in the back of my mind. I'm gonna back you up here because. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually going to give people things that they can think about tangibly to actually say to question this as well, right? And mm-hmm. I bet you, and I I have I've been one of those people who I've been to a place that I know I've never been before, mm-hmm. but somehow I had that really strong feeling that I had been there before, right. and I did know where something is, or or it was one I can't remember exactly what it was now, but it was one where it's like somebody said, "Oh, to get there, you got to go." And I was like, "No, actually, you got to go this way and then this way," and then I was right, even though I'd never been there before, never seen before, the map. Right? Never, Right, so so I, I believe that that's a bit of foreshadowing that's taking place. And, okay, so here's some things for people to think about, right, which can make this sound, I would say, let's say less crazy, right, because you used the word. Um, first one's this. Your perception of time actually does change as you get older, right? Mm-hmm. So we have all get that feeling that as we get older, time seems to get quicker. But that doesn't make any sense, does it? Because of a ticking of a clock, you know, the quartz resonance one second is one second but hang on a minute when you were younger didn't you think that everything would last forever didn't you think that your parents would always live forever didn't you think that the day would go on for and then and then when your parents used to say you need to stop this because we've got to do this because you had no perception of the passage of time you would then as my kids sometimes do throw a tantrum that they have to stop (laughs) what they do and this so we recognize that and here's um, my, my theory of explanation for that. When you are younger, one second of your life is a greater percentage of your existence. That's true. Whereas when you're older, one mm-hmm. second of your life is a minuscule percentage of your existence. Therefore, mm-hmm. by perception, time gets quicker. Yeah. And so that kind of thing's right. If that's the case, if time is full of, it's just perception, then maybe these kind of things that Justin's just mentioned, all that fit, you know, call it what you want you know justin doesn't think it's deja vu for them but maybe for you if it's deja vu perhaps that's some explanation and space time you've all heard whether you understand it or not the closer you get to um a place where space time is greatly warped or or got a much more dense greater gravity time slows down how can that be possible well it does because it's been proven yep so there you go so I, I don't totally, I, I am one of those people who reads like Wikipedia entries of like time, time dilation <laughs> uh, and yep. stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah, you oh, do okay. so, um, so, so what all I'm saying to everyone out there is that don't throw that away. Don't throw that away because there might be something um, to do with that. Uh, and then also, uh, that also made me think of another thing too, in terms of a biological sense. When we're younger, I think we pursue, uh, things go slower because the brain, younger brains are designed to, taken more information to learn more about the world and more about the surroundings therefore there's more information to process therefore things go slower i don't know if that's how the human brain works but hey that's just a theory Hmm. 
I think we need to um, investigate this and maybe publish a paper. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And oh, all right, we could talk about all the time travel. Okay. Before we move on, I will ask you this then. So, um, mm-hmm. Star Star Trek. So I'm a big, massive Star Trek um, Star Trek fan. Star yes, Trek Discovery. Are. And uh, everybody knows by now because uh, you're on that. I, I had the. I can't believe how I managed to get Adil Hussain on the podcast last episode. Oh my god, that was so cool. Who um, played um, Adita Sahil? Amazing stuff. What a what a guy. What a guy. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, please do. What yes. inspirational. It's the Star Trek Discovery timeline stuff's been okay. It's been okay. It's been really interesting. But my favorite has got to be cause and effect star trek the next generation you and i are on the same page with that okay i just watched that last night <laughs> oh my god i right, love that spoilers episode. spoilers 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 if you've not watched star trek next generation and you have any intention on doing so right cause so what happens in cause of effect is that the it plays out of a scene and there's um and then all of a sudden there's this situation that happens where a catastrophe occurs um where basically the enterprise gets destroyed and then you think, my God, the Enterprise, but then the scene starts again. Mm-hmm. And it almost plays identically, but you just notice subtle differences. And then the same thing happens. The Enterprise gets destroyed and it starts again. And then every time this time loop starts, people start to notice something's not quite right. And mm-hmm. it's just, oh, it's such fabulous writing. I mean, it's, it could be complete. Excuse me, English word here. It could be complete bollocks for all we know. But my yeah. God, in entertainment value... What a well-written episode. And, uh, of course, what was the ship called? The USS Bozeman. The Bozeman. <laughs> oh but, yeah, God. what's your thoughts on that episode? You only just watched it. Uh, that was, I love that. that was my, I think that's my favorite TNG episode. It's either that or, like, um, I got the best of both worlds. Best of both worlds, yeah. Um, I mean, everyone loves the best of both worlds. It's better than some of the movies. Um, <laughs> and then uh, also one I really like is this one, I think it's from season four. It's where... Um, What's her name? Dr. Crusher. She gets sucked into a warp bubble. Like everyone starts disappearing. Yeah, it's like I think it's Remember Me. I watched that I watched that the other night too. And it's not the best episode either. It's not the best episode in terms of right. But the idea I've always been drawn to that where a person is on their own. Which really truly speaks to me because I'm a loner. Like I don't have anybody. I, I spend all the time alone. But they start to question the perception. They start to question their perception of reality, and how much of what is real versus what isn't. Mm. And so you have Doctor Crusher, that was played by the amazing Gates McFadden, who has to deal with the starship suddenly losing people left and right. And like the second that she stops, like remembering them. Like they'll like blip out, and first it's like like her mentor, like her friend and mentor, like suddenly doesn't appear on the ship, and then you know it's just minor crewmen, and then it's guests, mm. and then the main cast starts disappearing, and you know they start you know they start they were like in the middle of a meeting, and like she said okay we'll have to update we'll have to update Worf with you know with the new information, and like well, who's Worf? Who's Worf? Yeah. And she and and they all stare at her, and she's like this is the Klingon. The big guy that never smiles. What was wrong with you people? And you know, and then there was that one of the creepiest scenes is where it's just it's down to her and Picard, right? And they're on the bridge, and she's trying to convince him that like you know like people are disappearing and you're going to disappear too. And so she starts. What they do is they have the computer do a diagnostic readout yes. of Picard's vitals. You know, and it's here. And it's in the background. It's playing in the background. You know, as well. 
as Marjo Bell bears voice, you know, like giving it in a nice, even tone. But, and they're in the middle of, she was actually confessed her love to him, you know, and, but then suddenly this, the camera's focused on her. She's talking, and then all of a sudden you don't hear the computer speak anymore because you pan over and Picard's gone. That's so creepy. Yeah. And, like, also, she asked the computer at one point, she said, okay, here's a question you shouldn't be able to answer. What is the nature of the universe? The universe is a spheroid that's like 705 meters in diameter. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And that is the creepy, you know, that's just, uh, it's so good. It's so creepy when you think about it. Um, and that's just for TNG. I mean, I was watching Voyager the other night. Um, it was, uh, hey, Amazon Prime is great for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's no product plug there. But um, there's this one where Seven of Nine has to take care of the ship by her own for like a month. Mm. I don't remember the name of that. It's like Seven Alone or something like that. Uh, because they have to go through this nebula that eats human flesh or whatever. And so they have to go into stasis for a month to get through it. And it's her and the doctor uh you've seen voyager right i have indeed yeah okay yeah good so it's her and the doctor for a month and seven goes crazy because you know because she can't handle isolation because she's still dealing with the fallout of leaving the board collective behind and this is her first real test of yeah. individuality like that's like individuality on like a whole other level because you know it's one thing to be an individual as part of a crew but when you have to take care of that crew on your own with no one else and there's another one too where uh you talk about time where she has to stop a sabotage on voyager like five years before it happens yes she gets she gets it's uh relativity it's relativity yeah where she gets uh, transported like the 28th century or something like that, and it's a time it's a time machine ship, and so she has to. That's that's a whole other great USS Relativity, yeah, and yep. um, yeah. Oh, crikey, we could go on forever with this, just with Star yep. Trek. And um, and the thing I what we'll end with will turn about Star Trek actually is like it's just I mentioned it to I did the same last episode as well. It's about how you know, of course, these are all popular culture, and you you have people out there who say, oh, you're just all nuts for like loving this kind of stuff. But they tell you they do can bring you back to your humanity and talk to you in such deep ways like you had mentioned that that one about you know the story about seven being on her own and how that speaks to people who feel isolated and i'll tell you what crikey how press how prescient is that episode with regards to things like covid mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. for example so people will now re-watch those classic episodes of of whatever they love it could be star trek it could be something else and they're going to find a, a new meaning because of the current circumstances we're all facing right now and it's um and you know mm-hmm. It's, and again, everybody, if you've not listened to the last episode, we were saying when we talked about, you know, the pros and cons, like the benefits and drawbacks of popular culture as a way of uh, learning about ourselves, then definitely that. Right. I'm going fi- to do two last things with you. I think this is going to be quite oh. fun. I'm going to I'm going to give you five random topics for something called jog on. And jog on is where jog on is where you. You get to choose three of these topics by saying, yes, Kit, we'll talk about that. Let's jog on. Or you can pass on two of them and say, take a hike. That wasn't, okay. that wasn't a pun for your yeah, that's benefit. Okay. Where that, that's fine. That's, I've been using that <laughs> since before I talked to you. That's right. Fine. So remember, you can only pass twice. All right. So if you choose to pass on the first one, you've only got one pass left for the last four. So you can, let's stick to 60 seconds each of these, right? Okay. Right. okay so the first topic is rhinoceroses. <laughs> 
pass or was it take take a hike? hike right okay you've only got one pass left now uh, this one you're def you're definitely going to take 60 seconds on right because and this everybody this is completely random completely random the next topic's volcanoes <laughs> would you believe okay, it so i'm gonna jog on for that one because volcanoes are freaking awesome let's see if i want okay so look when I went back to I went back to college remotely during the pandemic to get my degrees in environmental science and geography. I wanted to do geology, okay. I wanted to do geology and study volcanology because that's freaking awesome. <laughs> but that requires a lot of math background, more than I have. Okay, I haven't taken calculus since I was a freshman in college, like way back, like twenty years ago. Okay, I would have to learn all of that from the ground up again, and I'm like, I don't, have, I can't do that anymore. But I would love to do that. I mean, I'm going to Hawaii later on this year. I am yes. going back to Kilauea. And last time I was there, it was pouring down rain. I, I didn't get I didn't get any good photos when I was out there. I'm gonna go back there. Get some good. I'm gonna get some lava photos. Um, guys, if you want to learn more about, you want to learn more about how geological processes of the Earth work, and how it impacts weather, how it impacts like climate and and things like that. Study volcanoes. It's awesome. Not just the Ring of Fire, but everywhere. Yeah. Okay, you can, but uh, I think it's more than 60 seconds. So. Oh, it's almost spot on, actually. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Mm -hmm. um, right, this one, um, I actually, I've never asked you, actually, if you were much of a fan, but the third topic was was uh, football, soccer. Football. Um, I play, okay, so I'll jog on. Um, okay. I played it. Okay, I, I don't follow sports at all. I mean, I mean, I'll watch the Giant, the San Francisco Giants for the playoffs, or the A's, you know. Baseball is okay in terms of fit. You know, if you start, okay, I'll get back to football or soccer <laughs> as it's called here. Um, I actually played in college, uh, way back in the day, like when I was like a freshman, I think, because I needed one of those physical education requirements to graduate, right? And so I would show up every Saturday morning at this play at this at this local soccer field. No one was taking attendance. I could have skipped that, but no, I stayed there for two hours every Saturday. I played. I was terrible at it. I am not. I'm a great hiker. I'm a freaking terrible soccer player. Okay. <laughs> and like, I don't think I ever scored a goal in my life. So, you know, Hey, that's, that's okay. though. kept me in shape. And it's because hey, when you're running around a pitch for two hours, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's good exercise. I, I've been given, I've been had so much fun made of me for this, but I do walk in football once a week oh, yeah? at the local club. Um, and, Believe me, everybody, it's actually harder than you think. <laughs> so it's definitely getting my fitness back up for sure. Oh right. Two more topics remaining. You can pass right. on one of them, right? So, okay. okay. So the next one is, I mean, you travel a lot. So airports. What about them? Anything you like about airports? An airport um, you've been to? I don't know. Okay, so some of them are okay. So some of them are really cool. Some of them are not. Okay, I think Hong Kong is probably the best one I've been to in terms of just design, in terms of structure. Singapore is pretty good too. Um, Washington Dulles is freaking terrible. I hate that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And San Francisco is San Francisco is really good too. Yeah. Um, the worst one though is probably Cusco, uh, down in Peru. Because okay, it's a small airport. You have to fly to Cusco, right? It's surrounded by mountains, and so the wind here is freaking terrible. But um, we were okay. So I was about to leave. I, my flight was going to leave like an hour, but then all the flights got canceled due to bad weather, right? And so suddenly you have an air. This this is a tiny airport, by the way. This is a freaking tiny airport. And so suddenly you have an airport full of people with no flights and chaos. There was just chaos. Fights fights were breaking out. They were attacking people oh, behind the wow. counter. And so I had to go hide in the corner somewhere and get on the phone with the insurance agent 
and like beg for a flight home. And so I'll tell you what, man, that was not, that was not fun. Uh, I ended up having to improvise a whole new flight plan home. I had to go from, uh, yeah, from Peru to Miami to, uh, I think it was to Houston, then back to San Francisco. Oh, wow. And I arrived almost 24 hours, almost exactly 24 hours later than I intended to be. And that's a whole, uh, that'll take more than 60 seconds to talk about. We'll drop it there. Well, yeah. you can't talk about the last one. You've used your three jogons, which was going to be vegetables. I don't know if you would have had anything profound to say. I like salad. I have salad every single <laughs> night. It's awesome. Tomatoes and cucumbers. <laughs> Wonderful. So... Oh my god, that, that was a good jogon. I love that. Crikey, I felt like it was a sprint rather than a jog. Okay. <laughs> right. Last thing to do then. Um, we are all geographers, so for everybody who's not familiar with this, we like to link the guests together by them coming up with a word that we try and link to geography and um adele hussein last episode came up with a wonderful word which was embodiment yes, so is. yeah what fabulous word so i know adele is going to be uh, listening to this and absolutely intrigued with how you're going to link that um to geography justin and as you know this is timed for uh, 30 seconds so i'm gonna oh yeah no pressure so no right? pressure so are you ready? Sit no, seconds. but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> on it. Are you going, are you about to embody this? <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. okay. Ready? When you're ready, go. Okay, ready, go. Okay, so we embody the geography that is around us. Okay, we are influenced by not just the culture, but the very landscape that's around us because geography influences everything that's around us in terms of culture, in terms of beliefs, in terms of priorities. Like, for example, I grew up at the base of a mountain. I So I was really interested in forests and camping and things like that. Whereas if you're in a different part of the world, you will have completely different interests, but it will still be influenced by geography. Perfect. Did that work? Boom. Okay, yeah, there's no pressure with that. I'm rambling, but that's okay. It's, no, I'll tell you what, <laughs> rambling within a set, set time is a skill, in my opinion. <laughs> well, you get the joy now of coming up with something for our next guest. What are you going to go for? I'm going to go with the word elusive. Oh, yes. This is getting good now. I'll tell you what, every week this is getting better and better. Elusive. Do you have any... any no, I, I was going to say any reason why you're going to come up with elusive, but then that would probably give some hints to our next guest. So yeah, yeah, I'm not, say, I'm no, not no, giving elusive. you anything. <laughs> you're going to be elusive with elusive. Right, Justin, this has been yes. such a pleasure. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so last thing for you then, two last thing is, first of all, do you have any shout outs to give to anybody? Um, shout outs to, okay, shout outs to the travel and photography communities on Twitter because there are tons of great people on there. Um yeah, you can <laughs> look for your people, okay? Uh, social media, when it's not busy ticking everybody off and making people angry, you can find people that are that share your interests, okay? And that can be any interest that you have whatsoever, but for me it's travel and photography and video games and anime and a whole bunch of other stuff that we did not get into. But, you know. Um, and then shout out also to the, uh, in particular, but also the trans and non-binary community. Yes. Because, hey, people need, uh, it's not just about representation support, but it's also about supporting yourselves. And uh, to any kids out there, any trans or non-binary kids out there, and I'm not going to use the empty platitudes of saying that it gets better, because that's, that's just an empty platitude in itself. It can get better, but you have to make it better. 
okay? And no one's going to do it for you, okay? Because, you know, there's only so much that you can do for each other. But do not give up. Never, ever, ever give up. I tell people all the time, you can do anything you want with your life. It's your life. Uh, you know, you can do anything with your life if you can handle the consequences for it. But one of the things you, you should never do is give up. Because I can, because there's a whole story with me, and I shouldn't even be here, really. You know, there's a whole story behind that, but I did not give up. And now I have a new lease on life, thanks to geography. <laughs> and so I'll read her, it says, like, just keep pushing yourself. And that's just, that's for everybody, but especially for the trans and non-binary community. There are a lot of us out there, and you are not alone. Okay? So don't give up. You've been listening to two of them for the last hour, everybody. Yeah. So there's a great big world out there that is worth exploring and it's worth living for. And geography can help you learn more about it and yeah. yourself. Yeah. So there you go. That's amazing. Thank Yeah. And um, you can look at individuals like myself and Justin. You know, we, we are visible. We, we, will, we will stand up, you know, but don't. Don't try and emulate us or be us. Be yourself. You know, you can look to us. You can look to us as examples of us trying, you know, being ourselves and being visible. You know, we love you all, and you are you are valid. And Justin, I just say I couldn't I couldn't add anything to that really. So thank you so thank you so much for that. So you got me all tongue tied, which is a which is a rare thing, but a, a lovely thing too. Social media, right? So you we want to see these pictures. We want we want to see your wonderful ramblings on on Twitter. So where can we find you? <laughs> uh, I'm on uh, okay. So for um, so for, I'm on polymathically. That's my handle on everything. So that's um, you can spell it's P O L Y M A T H I C A L L Y, and that's yep. on Twitter. That's on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram that much anymore. It sucks, but um, <laughs> but I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm I'm on there. I'm on YouTube. I just followed you on YouTube, by the way, Kit. I know. So, Thank you. Yeah. Um. So you can you can check out my channel there. I don't post that much that often there. But yeah, just Google polymathically. You'll find all kinds of stuff there. But yeah, hit me up on Twitter. I'm I'm there awesome. all the time. And uh, educators, if you're looking for some fantastic imagery for as a, a curriculum artifact or a bit of stimulus for some learning, do check out those photos. They're amazing. <laughs> Justin, this has been overdue. So much fun. Um, I, and I'll, I'll say it on, quote unquote, on air, um, as I did off air, but I consider you a friend and it's just been Aww. fabulous to talk to you. So thank you so hey, much, Justin. You too, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep jogging.